Amen. All righty. Well, how many guys have been here the last few weeks, and we've noticed there's a trend going on, unfortunately, speaking of Bill Wimberly? He's been having a, a rough last couple of weeks, right? You guys remember that? Well, get this. Unfortunately, it's continuing on. Uh, the deacons, obviously, we're a team around here, right, guys? Leadership deacons, yeah. Okay, all two of you, praise God. Okay, but <laughs> we're a team, right? And so apparently the deacons approached Bill and wanted to help him out, you know, a little concerned with some of this ruckus going on. And, and so they decided, you know, can we help you out? And so Bill invites the deacons over, apparently last week, and for supper to show them that everything's just fine, nothing to worry about, right? And so he wanted to cook. Remember, Bill's the grilled master, the daddy-o, the patio. Remember that, okay? So he invites the deacons over, right? And so Bill's in the kitchen. He's getting ready for dinner, and uh, Diane comes in and and sees Bill with his fly swatter in his hand, and she says, hey, you killing any? And Bill said, yeah, got three males and two females. And Diane says, well, how can you tell the males and female flies apart? And Bill responded, simple, three were on the remote control, two were on the phone. Right? <laughs> so she stomps out of the room, right? She obviously didn't like that comment. And uh, so Bill, he's uh, going out there, cooking the meat on the grill, you know, daddy of the patio. And, and Ron comes out about a half hour later uh, to see how he's doing, if he could help Bill. And He's sitting there talking with Bill, and he says, you know, Bill, he says, I've been watching you tonight uh, call your wife every cute name in the book. I mean, honey, darling, sweetheart, pumpkin, baby, and I just want to say, Bill, it it warms my heart that you still call your wife those pet names. And Bill leaned over to Ron and says, to tell you the truth, Ron, I forgot her name three years ago, (laughs) right? And so finally, all the deacons get together. They're sitting down at the table, right, getting ready to eat, and Jim Jubenville, hi, Jim, how you doing? He pipes up, and he says, you know, guys... My wife thinks so much of me that she won't even let me do any work around the house. It's incredible. Right, Debbie? It's a joke. Just roll with it, all right? So, and, and so then all of a sudden, Bill pipes up, right? And he says, oh, yeah, that's nothing, man. My wife, she thinks I'm God. And so all the deacons in unison says, what? What do you mean your wife thinks she's God? Why do you say that? And Bill replied, simple. Every night she places the burnt offering before me. Wait a second. Now you know why Ron was up here doing the announcements, okay? We tried to cover it the best that we could, okay? But this stuff writes itself. Of all weeks, he's not here. But anyway, but folks, here's the point. How many guys would say, unfortunately, Bill Wimberly apparently keeps making the same repeated mistake over and over again. He's not learned his lesson, and it's creating some havoc, right? Well, unfortunately, did you know the Bible says the whole planet's doing the same thing? Okay, they keep repeating the same mistake over and over again every single day of refusing to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and they're headed for the ultimate horrible time. It's called the seven-year tribulation, folks, and that's not a joke. As we've been seeing, it is an outpouring of God's wrath on this wicked and rebellious planet. Jesus said it's going to be a time of absolute horrible terror. You don't want to be there so bad that unless God shortened that time frame, the entire human race would be destroyed. How many guys would say that would mess up your daddy-o the patio time, you know what I'm saying? Excuse me? Okay, and that's what we've been seeing. But praise God, he's not just a God of wrath, he's a God of love as well. And because he loves us, he's concerned about us. He doesn't want us caught off guard. He doesn't want us left behind. He gives us warning signs to know when it's getting close. We don't know the exact day nor the hour, but he lets us know you're getting close. You better get ready, okay? And so we're going to continue in our final countdown update, taking a look at how do we know we're living in the last days? How do we know it's getting close? Now, we've already seen the first seven updates on the Final Countdown update study, and that's Jewish people, the Antichrist, modern technology, worldwide upheaval, the rise of falsehood, the rise of wickedness, and the last two times was the rise of apostasy. Not only is the world going to go down the tubes in the last days, unfortunately so is the church. The church is going into apostasy, and I truly believe that's what we're seeing today. And we saw that there's happening for a reason, because there's a massive flooding of fake, phony pastors in the pulpit, 
The church is turning away from the basic truths of Christianity where now it's illegal to tell somebody they are a sinner so they can go to heaven. Can you believe that? As we saw before. And also that our so-called worship service is now all about self, which is the number one law of Satanism. And last time we saw it's all being encouraged uh, by this, by an apostate media and apostate music. They're not getting their spiritual. Uh, they're not getting their spiritual diet anymore from the Bible. They are listening to apostate, atheistic, new age movies, and they're listening to apostate music that's gutted of the name of Jesus Christ and is saying sin's perfectly fine. That's happening right now in the church. The days of apostasy are upon us. We're living in the last days. Okay, but that's still all. It all leads to somewhere. Okay, turn to somebody and say this: You reap what you sow. Okay, the scripture is very clear about that, folks. You reap what you sow. All of this apostate slide in the pulpit, in the church, in the doctrines, in the teaching, in the media, in the music is leading somewhere. It's leading to flat out apostate behavior. Complete apostate behavior. What you believe determines how you behave. And if you're going to turn away from the scripture and to listen to atheistic, selfism, new age ideas, it's going to start coming out in the church. And that's what we see today. In fact, what's ironic is this behavior. Jesus says there's going to be one specific apostate behavior that's going to appear on the scene right before he comes back. And it's not just that that's happening. What we're seeing is the church is actually encouraging that apostate behavior, which means we're living in the last days. But don't take my word for it. Let's listen to Jesus. Open your Bibles to Luke 17. Luke 17. Let's find out what kind of behavior is going to be uh, across the board, uh, across the world, according to Jesus in the last days. Luke 17. If you find uh, Luke 17, what do you do? Go to verse 22. That's right. You guys are doing good. And uh, verse 22 through 30. And Jesus is going to tell us a couple things. Now, he tells many things uh, we've seen before. How do you know it's getting close? You're going to see wars and rumors of wars and pestilence and famines and earthquakes and strange things in the sky and the atmosphere and all that stuff we've already dealt with. Okay, But he tells you that there's something going to happen to the behavior of the people. It's going to get wicked. And then he nails it down and he says specifically it's going to get wicked like two societies. And he's going to call the two societies out. Okay, let's take a look at that passage there. Verse 22 says this, Then he, Jesus said to his disciples, the time is coming when you will long to see one of the days of the Son of Man, but you will not see it. And, and men are going to tell you, there he is, here he is. And what's Jesus say? Don't go running after them. This is not going to be in secret. He's not going to be in some rented conference room like the false Christ say today. It's going to be a global event. And that's what he says here. He says, for the Son of Man in his day will be like the lightning which flashes and lights up the sky from one end to the other. Okay, Everybody's going to know Jesus is coming back at that time. But first, he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Obviously, speaking of his first coming, but he goes back into answering the question, but what can you expect in the second coming? Well, here's what you can expect. Just as it was in the days of who? Noah, so also will it be in the days of the Son of Man. And well, what were they doing? Well, people were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage up to the day that Noah entered the ark. And then the flood came and destroyed them all. Okay, but he doesn't stop there. He says, it's also going to be like in the days of who? Lot. People were eating and drinking. Notice there's no mention of marriage. At least biblical marriage. That's a little side note there. Uh, eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But the day Lot left Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed how many? All of them. And here's what, I, I'm not making this up. This is from Jesus. It will be just like this. 
on the day the Son of Man is revealed. Okay, so what we see here in our text from Jesus, okay, is that there's two things you need to be on the lookout for as to regards to Jesus' second coming. How do you know it's getting close? How do you know he's right about there? We don't know the exact day nor the hour, but what's some indicators that you're getting close? Not just wars and rumors of wars, nations against kingdoms, famines and earthquakes and pestilence and all that stuff. He says, when you see the behavior of two societies that are recorded for us on record in the Bible, when you see those two things appear on the scene again, he's getting ready to come back. Now, he mentioned there the days of Noah, right? Now, as we've seen before, especially on the topic, the rise of wickedness, as we've seen before, that is a a horrible time frame. The Bible says specifically the phrase, their hearts were continually evil all the time. Their thoughts, that's all they thought about was evil. Folks, we're already there, as we saw before. But he also mentions another society. He mentions specifically, not just Noah, but who? lot. So let's do our homework. We know about the days of Noah and the absolute continual wickedness. We're there. Hello. But he mentions Lot. So let's do our homework and let's go back and see what was going on in the days of Lot. Okay. And what's going to come back on the scene, unfortunately, before Jesus comes back? Well, let's take a look at that passage that's found in Genesis 19, verses 1 through 7 and 12 through 13. The two angels arrived at Sodom in the evening and Lot was sitting in the gateway of the city. When he saw them, he got up to meet and, uh, them and bowed down with his face to the ground. And he says, my Lord, please turn aside to your servant's house. Uh, you can wash your feet and spend the night and then go on your way early in the morning. And they says, no, the angels answered. We'll spend the night in the square. But listen to this. But he, Lot insisted so strongly that they did go with him and entered his house. Man, there must be something, something horrible going on there. That he just, what, don't be outside in the... Well, let's find out what that was. He prepared a meal for them, baking bread without yeast, and, <clears throat> and they ate. Well, before they had gone to bed, all the men from every part of the city of Sodom, both young and old, it was everywhere, surrounded the house. And they called to Lot and says, where are these men who came to you tonight? Bring them out to us so that we can have sex with them. What's that? That's homosexuality, okay? Lot went outside to meet them and shut the door behind him and says, no, my friends, don't do this alternative lifestyle. No, what's the Bible say? Good thing, okay? It's what he says. The two men uh, said to Lot, do you got anyone else here? Sons-in-law, sons and daughters, anyone else in the city who belongs to you? Get them out of here. Why? Because we are going to destroy this place. In fact, the outcry to the Lord against his people is so great that he has sent us to destroy it. It's overdone. So how many guys would say that according to the word of God, that uh, God did not approve of the people's behavior in Sodom? Right? I think it's pretty obvious there. He's going to destroy the cities of Sodom and, of course, Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, as we know. Okay? And so, according to the Bible, what was that wicked behavior that they were involved in? Homosexuality. I think it's obvious there. And it wasn't just something that was not accepted by God. Ultimately, that behavior, as it continued to pile up, if you will, it eventually invited the judgment of God. Right? Because God's patient. Praise God. Anybody glad for his mercy? Right? Bible says God is not willing that any should perish, but everyone come to repentance. So he gives you time. He doesn't condone our behavior. Anybody glad that Jesus put up with you before you got saved? Besides me, hello. Okay. Uh, And so that's what we see. Okay. But judgment is ultimately coming. You reap what you sow. Okay. And I don't know about you, but I tell you what. All right. So apparently we're at the days of Noah. You know, it's wicked. People just continue thinking wicked all the time. But I don't know about you, but I'm so glad. Apparently we got lots of time. 
Because we see no signs of the days of Lot coming back in our society and being prevalent and this behavior coming back on the planet. Folks, this is what blows me away. This is what blows me away. Unfortunately, I think many people refuse, and with all due respect, I think they're too chicken. I'm not saying this to boast or anything, but I think we're living the last days, and if anything's going to happen, if revival's ever going to come to America or even to the church, hello, then pastors need to speak up and stand on God's word and stop being a chicken of it. The fact that you keep your mouth shut is the reason why we are still in this mess. Paul says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Are you ashamed of God's truth? It is the gospel that sets people free. Okay, but this is what's so wild. Is it so prevalent today? What's going on? And yet hardly anybody equates what we're seeing in the news, what just got passed in our state. It's a sign that you're in the last days. What did Jesus say? Not just Noah, as it was in the days of Lot. So in order for Jesus to come back, shortly before that, it would have to be that not only things would get wicked continually, but you would see specifically the rise of homosexuality coming back, right? What's going on right now? It's everywhere, and hardly anybody computes it with, we're in the last days. The days of Lot are upon us, right? This is what the scripture says. Now, the problem is once you bring this up, once you speak out about it, you get labeled as being some judgmental, horrible, mean person and all that other stuff, intolerant, right? Well, folks, guess what? Last time I checked, God is the one who makes the rules, right? And according to his rules, this is not an acceptable lifestyle. It is a sin, and I don't have time to give you all the scriptures, but I'm going to give you Old and New Testament. It's very clear, folks. And you can't say, well, that's your interpretation. No, it's pretty obvious. According to God, Leviticus chapter 18, verse 22, do not lie with a man as one lies with a woman. That is what? Acceptable? Detestable. I didn't say that God did. Romans chapter 1, it's not just an Old Testament thing. People want to say, oh, that's just the Old Covenant. That's the law. It doesn't apply to, excuse me? Romans chapter 1 uh, verse 26 through 27, because of this, God gave them over to acceptable, sh no, shameful lust. Well, what was it? Even their women exchanged natural relations for unnatural ones. Well, what do, what do you mean unnatural? Well, he's talking about lesbianism because he goes on and defines that in the next one. In the same way, like what these women are doing, men also abandoned natural relations with women and they were inflamed for lust for one another. So you got lesbianism and homosexuality. It's right there in the text. And men committed indecent acts with other men and received in themselves the due penalty for their what? Perversion, okay? And just one more. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 through 10. Or do you not know, church, that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, now that's sex outside of marriage, period. Any kind of that stuff, okay? Fornication. Don't be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor what? homosexuals, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. I kind of am coming to the conclusion, Old and New Testament, that uh, according to God's word, uh, sexual immorality, which would include uh, homosexuality and lesbianism, that's not acceptable to God. I didn't say this. He did. He makes up the rule. Okay? And so according to the scripture, it is called detestable, right? We just saw it's called a perversion, as we saw. It's called shameful. In fact, the Bible says there in 1 Corinthians, you are not going to the kingdom of God, okay, unless you repent of it. Now, as well as all your other sins, okay, because folks, homosexuality is not the unpardonable sin. The, the, what will keep you out of heaven is undealt with sin. If you've refused to come to Jesus Christ and ask for the forgiveness of all your sins, including homosexuality or whatever it is, you're not going to heaven. 
Okay, so it's not the unpardonable sin, but you have to deal with it, okay? And yet, here's the problem. Even though it's absolutely clear in the Bible, people still refuse to say that this is a sin, and instead, here's what they do. They say it's a lifestyle. It's an alternative lifestyle. I know God says this, but this is an alternative lifestyle. Or the latest thing that they're doing is they're turning it into a social rights issue. All right, now let's just, let's just be Bereans. Let's put this to the test. Okay, alternative lifestyle, social rights issue, okay? Uh, it mentions there, we saw in that passage in 1 Corinthians, it didn't just mention homosexuality, it mentioned thievery, right? Right? No more thievery in, in, inherit the kingdom of God. Let's put that to the test. Is thievery a social rights issue? Is a, being a thief, is that an acceptable lifestyle? If somebody chooses of their own volition to go down a pathway to become a thief, does that make it acceptable? Should we accept it? No, of course not. That would be ludicrous. Now, the exact same tactic is being used to justify homosexuality and lesbianism, okay? When a thief goes to court, he gets caught for robbing a bank. Is this his defense in court? I'm sorry, Your Honor, you can't send me to jail. You can't prosecute me. That's my lifestyle. I have a social rights issue to rob that bank. No, that'd be ridiculous, right? Then why is it acceptable for not just homosexuality, but anything that's on that list? Right? That's what the scripture says, okay? And by the way, did you know that just because you relabel a sin doesn't cease to make it a sin? And yet that's exactly what our country is doing, folks. Like this guy says. He says, what our founding fathers referred to as drunkenness because of their Christian heritage, we just now call alcoholism, and we call it a social disease rather than a sin. What our founding fathers called immorality, we now call the new morality. What the law called adultery or fornication, we now call just stepping out, fooling around. What the law called abhorrent social behavior like stealing, thievery, or filthy language, we now just call abnormal social development or anti-social behavior. And what the law word called sodomy, we now just call an alternative lifestyle. You can call it what you want, but God isn't going to change his mind on it. He says it's sin and it's sin. And the scripture is clear. All you're doing with this relabeling sin, you're not making it go away. You're storing up the wrath of God. Judgment is coming upon your nation. And this is what Isaiah warned about. You tell me if this is not America on this issue, amongst other things. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20, woe. Now, woe, stop there. Okay, what does woe imply? Awesome times, time to celebrate. Woo-hoo! No, bad times. Bad times be coming, okay? It's what it is. To those who, what? Can you imagine ever getting to this point as a society, as a nation? You call evil good. And you call good, what? Evil. You substitute darkness for light and light for darkness. And you substitute bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Folks, tell me that's not our country, even on this issue. We are now taking what God says, no, that's sin, that's evil. And we're saying, no, it's good. And then we're getting to the point for those who would take a stand on that which is good. They're saying, no, you're the one who is evil. And Isaiah says, all you're doing is storing up the wrath of God. You are not headed for incredible times by doing this. You are headed for woeful times. Why? Because Jesus said, as it was in the days of not just Noah, as it was in the days of Lot, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. And when Jesus Christ comes back, bang, everything is going down. Nobody will stand before him. He's going to put all this down and establish the millennial kingdom, okay? It invites the judgment of God. Now, what's interesting about the text is, is if you're paying attention to how this is being permeated, even in the church today, unfortunately, okay, they're using the same tactic that they did back in Lot's day. Let's take a look and see what these guys did 
to get this apparently into their society. How, what was their tactic, if you will? Genesis chapter 19, verse 9 says this, and they're speaking. Lot says, don't do this wicked thing. No, stop. Here's what they said. Get out of our way, they replied. And they said, this fellow came here as an alien, and he now wants to play the judge. Isn't that what we hear? Stop judging me. You have no right. Excuse me, that's not what the Bible teaches. We'll get to that in a second. We'll treat you worse than them. And they kept bringing pressure on Lot and moved forward to break down the door. So much for an intelligent conversation about it, right? With all due respect, what were these guys doing? Even back in that day, the days of Lot, what were they using? They were using violence. They were using threats. They were using pressure tactics, okay, on the days of Lot. And folks, if you're paying attention, the same thing's being happening today. We're being pressured. We're being forced. We're being told we've got to go along with this or you're going to pay the price and you're being judgmental. Knock it off. And for those of you who don't believe me, folks, that we are being pressured into accepting this just like in the days of Lot. I'm just going to give you some evidence of some recent things that are going on. We are getting hit. We're getting pressured from all angles all at the same time. Okay? Now, as a church, we should just stay strong and stand on God's truth. Unfortunately, we're not. We'll get to that in a second. But let's take a look at some of that pressure. First of all, the media is going nuts on this. Okay? Facebook now gives you the option to define your gender. And not only will you be able to identify yourself as male and female, but as a transgender, genderqueer, intersex. That's their own words, not mine. And you can even specify what gender pronouns you want to be referred to as he, his, she, her, or the neutral version, they, there. And previously, Facebook were required you had to only accept male or female in the identification field, but now you can select the custom option uh, that better expresses your gender identities. That's the tip of the iceberg. Nintendo has now promised to push gay agenda on children. The Japanese company has now stated that in future games, they will, quote, strive to design a gameplay experience from the ground up that is more inclusive and better represents all players. So now you can choose a homosexual player, you know, et cetera, in Nintendo. And the Discovery Channel is now launching a new transsexual kids show cartoon called Shizou. Okay, it's already been out in a couple other countries. Now it's coming here to America. It's the adventure supposedly of a 12-year-old boy named Guy who uses a magic ring to transform himself into a crime-fighting girl. Here's the video. This is what kids get to watch now in the media. Let's take a look. I don't know if you caught that line, if dad finds out, he'll have a cow. Yeah. Cartoon. They're pushing it everywhere, folks. Uh, also, schools. Schools are promoting this big time. Need to be aware of, now that's passed here in, in our state, is going into the schools. Watch this. Dictionaries are now being rewritten to refer to marriage as being gender neutral. The Chambers Dictionary, School Dictionary, the 13th edition they just released with marriage is now being defined as, quote, the ceremony act or contract by which two people... Two people become married to each other. Husband and wife were also altered to encompass married gay couples with the husband being defined as a man to whom someone is married while the wife is just a woman to whom someone is married. A school in Nebraska, this just came out, uh, I believe last week, Lincoln, Nebraska, is now teaching we should no longer use the words boys and girls, can't do that, 
but they want us to use gender-inclusive words uh, like purple penguins. Not making this up, folks. This just happened in Lincoln Public School in Nebraska. The school district gave teachers a document that advises them to, quote, avoid asking kids to line up as boys or girls, separating them by gender. Instead, use things like odd or even birth date, or which would you choose, skateboards or bikes or milk or juice, dogs or cats, summer, winter, talking or listening. Then they were given a handout called the gender-bred person, not gingerbread man, the gender-bred person, and encouraged to say things like calling all readers or hey campers or here's where it came from uh, all the purple penguins meet at the rug you wonder why kids are confused you can't even say boys or girls anymore it's crazy folks and not only that another school in california celebrated lgbt month and is now teaching five and six-year-old children how to celebrate that with them here's the video this morning we are so lucky to be celebrating our first Glenview Family Pride Celebration. I am really, really excited about today. Um, I'm excited that it's June, it's Pride Month, and I'm excited that we are uh, bringing this assembly to the entire Glenview community. Um, and I'm here to actually talk to you guys really quickly about this flag. And I'm gonna run up, up to the stage really quick. Anybody recognize this flag? Raise, raise your hands. Wow. That is incredible. All the people I'm gonna show you in these pictures and talk about right now are gay or lesbian or bi. So many recordings, and she was here in Madison last year. And she is a lesbian. She's... And her partner's name is Julie, so. This is Bill T. Jones. He was also in Madison last year. He's a very famous dancer. He's an African-American man. Yes. Everything changes when same-sex marriage becomes legal. If it is legalized, then it must be taught as normal, acceptable, and moral behavior in every public school. Don't believe me? It's already happened in Massachusetts. That means public schools in every grade, even kindergarten, must teach your children to accept same-sex marriage. Our son Jacob was going into kindergarten, and he came home with a diversity book bag. I have the book right here. Who's in a family? It introduces children to such things as Clifford and her dad's partner, Henry. This is what they sent home with your five-year-old? That's correct, Tony. What, what was your first reaction when you saw this? When I saw the book, I was um, quite upset that uh, they would couch this as diversity and include it in a diversity book bag and, and not give me notification. What? Just kind of sneaking it in there? If you still choose to send your kids to public school, you better be extremely informed, okay? Or if you would like to homeschool, see my wife and I, and we'll help you out. Uh, medical pressure is coming from there, too. Uh, recently, a medical doctor said, I correct God's mistakes when referring to sex change operations. He even said, quote, I decided to defy God's will. Total rebellion. And at first, he said, I agonized over whether I should do these operations because I wondered if I was defying God. I was overcome with a sense of shame initially, but my patients wanted him, so he obviously... Agreed. Uh, not only that, now thanks to the medical industry, we now have three lesbians who say they're the only throuple in the world, and they're expecting their first child together. Here's a picture. Dahl and Bryn Young from Massachusetts decide to spice their relationship up, their words, not mine, with an additional partner, Kitten, and they all three got married last year. You go down this route, it's going to open up Pandora's box. Lord willing, we'll get to that next week. 
it's going to get way worse, folks. Okay? And uh, after undergoing uh, injections uh, via anonymous uh, donor, Kitten is now several uh, months pregnant with the trio's child. Going to be raised in that environment. Medical pressure. Sex change drugs are now being offered to children as young as nine-year-olds. And this is to delay the onset of puberty as the first step towards a sex change operation. Kids nine years old. The treatment will be offered to children who are so troubled by their gender and who may wish later to undergo drastic surgery after adolescence. Well, gee whiz, why are they confused? Okay, where is this being influenced from? Okay. Also, now Obamacare is covering gender reassignment surgeries. We get to pay for this. And now what covers varies from policy to policy, but on record, the Transgender Law Center says, quote, the law and policy are on a transgender person's side for the first time. Now, over the next 10 years, Obamacare is estimated to cost us a taxpayers $2.6 Now, that's horrible, but I think it's a way lot more than that. Because I don't know if you guys have seen, uh, they refused to uh, release the official uh, figure until after the election. Have you noticed that? That just came out last week. Ooh, excuse me. Uh, uh, business pressure. Everybody, I'm telling you, we're getting forced, just like in the days of Lot, from all different kind of angles. All over the city, it's coming. Business pressure. Burger King recently came out with its Proud Whopper with a rainbow-colored wrapper in honor of the 44th annual Gay Pride celebration in San Francisco. Here's the video. What do you think of Burger King introducing the Proud Whopper? What? So, like, it's Forever. a gay burger, or what is it? I think it's cool. I think it's a cool idea. I think it's great. Finally. I, yeah, it's about time. Um, what is the Proud Whopper? I don't know. You want to try the Proud Whopper? Yeah. Would you like a Proud Whopper? Uh-huh. I think this rapper means that we all have the same rights. I love I tell my name. Using a hamburger to push it. But that's not all. Talk about business. Betty Crocker is now giving away free cakes uh, to gay couples getting married. Uh, Lucky Charms is showing their support by using the Lucky Charms rainbow, you know. Uh, and the marshmallows is a sign of gay pride. They're handing out Lucky Charms accessories and rainbow and cereal at gay pride events. Uh, Target also has just released, I don't know if you've seen it yet, their new commercial featuring two lesbian women preparing uh, their room for their baby. Target can help you out. Here's the commercial. I'm Amanda. I'm Kat. And we're having a baby. <laughs> we don't know what the gender is yet, but we are really excited to find out. I hope that the baby has Kat's talent. I hope it has her quick wit. We want our child to know that anything is possible and that there's also nothing wrong with and everything right with pursuing knowledge and learning about the world. Well, intriguing, but that's still no Starbucks. If you drink at Starbucks, uh, the CEO recently shared with shareholders, quote, if you support biblical marriage, you can sell your shares in Starbucks and buy shares in another company. Thank you very much. Well, that's uh, interesting. Chase, Chase Bank is now requiring their employees to answer threatening LGBT surveys. Here's the actual survey. It was leaked out by one of the employees who had to do this. Here's what this survey at this bank says. Are you, number one, check a person with disabilities, two, a person with children with disabilities, three, a person with a spouse or domestic partner with disabilities, then they go on, four, are you a member of the LGBT community, and five, are you an ally? This is at a business, at a bank, a company. Uh, are you an ally of the LGBT community, but not personally identified as an LGBT? In other words, are you not a homosexual lesbian, but do you support that? This is on a survey at the job, okay? The person who reported this said, quote, this survey was not anonymous. You had to enter your employee ID. So they knew who was answering what. 
And reports are now coming out, Fortune 500 companies like Blue Cross, Citibank, and others are now terminating people who are not an ally to this movement. Okay, so you're losing your job over it. And then I have to throw this one in, not making this up, satanic pressure. Okay, believe it or not, the spokesman for the satanic temple, Lucian Greaves, these are the same people we saw before that were pushing the Harvard black satanic mass and the statue in the government buildings of Baphomet Satan, right? Same people. They said in a recent interview, hey, gay marriage, they believe, is a sacrament. And that one of the things we feel strongly about as Satanists is gay rights. Uh, there's been a lot of progress, but there's still a lot of progress to be made. Okay, but that's not all. Of course, where's it sliding? The courts are forcing us into this. Uh, we know that state marriage bans have been falling around the country ever since the U.S. Supreme Court struck down the Federal Defense uh, Marriage Act. And because of that right now, at least when I did this PowerPoint earlier this week, 27 states with uh, same-sex uh, marriages are legal and is expected to go to 30 real soon. Okay, and but it's progressed so far that there's now a new bill on the books in California that will give new options for birth certificates. Uh, it's Assembly Bill 1951. This would allow a lesbian couple to state on a birth certificate that has a child, has two mothers, a mother and a female father, or two female fathers. Likewise, a gay male couple could identify themselves as two fathers, a father and a male mother, or two male mothers. On the birth certificate is what the bill's for. And, of course, it's coming from the very top. It's being pushed by our president. Okay, Obama recently picked an openly gay bishop to offer the closing prayer at the annual White House Easter prayer breakfast with all due respect. That is a, that is a mockery of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Of all times you ask for, I'm sorry, you know what you're doing with all due respect. And he also proclaimed June as LGBT month. That's why it's now being promoted in the school. And he's gone on record as being the first president in the United States history to voice his full support for gay marriage. Here's his own word. He used to think that for gay and lesbian couples, civil unions would suffice. But now President Obama has concluded that's not enough. In an ABC News interview, he became the first president ever to support gay marriage. For me personally, it is important for me to go ahead and affirm that uh, I think same-sex couples should be able to get married. You know, Americans may be still evolving when it comes to marriage equality, but... Uh, but as I've indicated personally, Michelle and I have made up our minds on this issue, uh, and we believe it's so. So we still have a long way to go, uh, but we will get there. Uh, and as long as I have the privilege of being your president, I promise you, you won't just have a friend in the White House, you will have uh, a fellow advocate uh, for an America where no matter what you look like or where you come from or who you love, you can dream big dreams and dream as openly as you want. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless America? He's not going to bless America, folks. As it was in the days of Lot, so shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man. I didn't say this. God is fixing to judge America. But that's not all, folks. It gets even worse. The White House is now saying we don't just need it here in the United States and are pushing it. We need to become, quote, a global leader in promoting gay rights. 
So now we're going to be the spearhead, according to this administration, to get this around the world. Quote, America's support of LGBT rights is not just a national cause, it's a global enterprise. And the administration has now made gay rights the centerpiece of its foreign policy. How about fix some of the turmoil around the world? But your foreign policy is to push this? Folks, this is amazing. And yet the irony is, listen to this, folks, all this pressure is coming from the official stats from the U.S. Census Bureau reveals that only 8% of Americans identified themselves in their survey as LGBT. Listen, an even more recent report from the CDC, check it out yourself, I'm not making this up, said it's even less than that. Less than 3%. It's actually 2.3%, according to the CDC survey, identify themselves as gay, lesbian, or bisexual. The overwhelming majority of adults in America, 96.6%, label themselves as straight. 1.1% declined to answer or responded, I don't know the answer, or they said something else. You put all that together, I don't know about you, but that's a whole lot of pressure coming from a serious minority. And yet we're led to believe that this is what everybody wants, not just in America, but around the world, and we need to push it on them. Folks, we're headed for judgment. I didn't say that God did. As it was in the days of not just Noah, as it was in the days of Lot, they're here right now. And we're being pressured, we're being forced into this exactly like it was uh, back in Lot's day. But hey, praise God, the church is standing strong. No siree, man. We are standing strong on this issue. We're not budging. Woo! Yes, that's a nervous clapter. Uh, you know, that's, a, uh, that's supposed to be that way. We should have done that, but we're not. You talk about apostate behavior, folks. This is amazing. Again, all this apostate behavior in the pulpit, in the church, in the music, in the media, it's all culminating to apostate behavior. Now the church is doing the exact opposite of what you're supposed to do in response to this behavior. How are we supposed to respond as Christians to somebody who comes into the church and says they're a Christian and yet they're a homosexual? Well, here's what the Bible says we're supposed to do. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 9 through 13. I have written to you my letter not to associate with what? I'm not making this up. God's saying this. Sexually immoral people, okay? Not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral, the greedy, the swindlers, the idolaters. In that case, you would have to leave the world. In other words, I'm not talking about the lost. You were lost at one time. Somebody witnessed to you. You got a witness to him, right? He's talking about in the church. But I'm now writing to you that you must not associate with anyone who calls himself a brother a Christian, but is sexually immoral or greedy or an idolater or a slander or a drunkard or a swindler, okay? With such a man, don't even eat with that guy. What? Yeah. He said, what business is it of mine to judge those outside the church? Are you not supposed to judge those inside the church? I thought we weren't supposed to judge. Yeah, we judge inside the church. God will judge those outside. The hammer's coming down. Judgment day's coming. But what do you do in the meantime with the person who says, I'm a Christian, but they're guilty of this immoral behavior? I didn't say God did. Expel that wicked man from among you. Why? Because God has a standard. We are Christians, followers of Christ. We are to emulate his behavior. And if that's not something that Christ would do, we don't do. And that's what he's saying here. He says, listen, it gets to the point that, listen, we don't associate with these people. We don't even eat with these people. Why? So that they would be ashamed of their behavior. Why? So that they would feel guilty for the behavior. So that they'd realize that what they're doing is wrong. Now, I will say this, and I want to clarify this. I will state it on record. Listen to this, folks, that we true Christians are not advocating any hate, 
any violence, any bodily harm to anybody who is involved in any kind of immorality, be it homosexuality or lesbianism or adultery or whatever, okay? And shame on anyone who is saying they are a born-again Christian and they are using violence and hate. Knock it off. You're giving the rest of us a bad name. That's not how you share the love of Jesus Christ. You love them enough to tell them the truth that this is not the unpardonable sin. This is not the sin, any sin. You could be a liar and you're going to go to hell if you don't repent and receive Christ as your Savior. You could be an adulterer. And if you don't repent and give your heart to Jesus Christ and trust in his work on the cross, you're going to hell. So it's not the unpardonable sin. We are to love them enough to tell them the truth that it's not that sin, it's all sin. Any sin is the problem. But praise God through Jesus Christ, he's willing to forgive us of any sin. Isn't that awesome? That's the message. And again, is anybody glad that somebody shared that with you? All right, but here's the point. In the church, though, in the church, the appropriate response is something radically different. Those who would say, Paul says, say that they're a Christian on the one hand, and yet they engage in this behavior, listen, and they refuse to repent. And they refuse to change. And they even go to the point saying, you got to accept my behavior. What does the Bible say in the church we're supposed to do? I'll still say this phrase, in love, we do something, all right? We don't associate with them. We don't even eat with them. Why? So that they would be ashamed of the behavior. How can you call yourself a Christian and do that without any sense of remorse? Now, see, a lot of people out there think shame is bad. Not so according to the Bible. Shame is a good thing. In fact, Paul uses the same word in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 14. If anyone does not obey our instruction in this letter, if you don't do what God says to do, his standard of right and wrong, what are you supposed to do to that person? Take special note of that person. Why? Because if you get to the point where you do not, it's the same word, do not associate with them. Why? Why don't I associate? Why don't I even eat with them? Why do I keep that distance? So that they will be put to what? Shame. Shame is not bad. Shame is good. Shame is the first step in unlove, putting you in that position. No, I'm sorry. I love you too much to not say anything. I can't associate with you. Because the Bible says sin, any sin, all sin, leads to destruction. And what kind of a loving Christian would I be if I knew you were a part of a sin, of a behavior that is going to destroy you, and I kept my mouth shut? That's not a brother or sister in Christ I want to have. Rather, I would want somebody to say, hey, listen, you need to knock it off. I'm not going to knock it off. You need to knock it off. Don't do that. It's not God's way. You know, I'm not gonna... you know what? I can't associate with you. I can't even eat with you. I can't, you know what? I'm just going to pray for you. I'm here for you. I love you. But that's not right. You're headed down a path. I wish you wouldn't go. It's going to reap destruction. That's the appropriate Christian response. Now, here's the point. That's not what the church is doing today, is it? No. In fact, you know what the church is doing? The church is not just doing the opposite. The church is removing any sense of shame of this behavior. And the church is still associating with this behavior. Listen, the church has now moved to the point that they're removing any sense of shame and that they're saying that this uh, behavior is acceptable, but now the church is saying that those who would stand on God's word, you're the sinner. Don't believe me? Watch this. And this is just a couple of headlines. Uh, we all know that major denominations across America are sliding on this issue of homosexuality. They've moved to the point where they're now approving homosexual behavior, period, homosexual marriages, but also homosexual pastors behind the pulpit. That's been going on for a while, right? But folks, it is getting so bad in the church. Listen to this is what's going on. 
This is just from last week. Christian book publishers are now printing and supporting pro-lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender books. Christian book publishers. It's one thing for the world. This is in the church. The United Church of Christ, with its 5,100 churches across the United States, is now supporting the ninth annual gay games in Ohio. They're a sponsor. The whole denomination. United Methodist Church is granting same-sex benefits to its employees in the church involved in same-sex marriage. Okay? And a Baptist church, you think, oh man, that's just those you know, liberal denominations. A Baptist church in Kentucky is now holding gay wedding. The Baptist is like, and speaking of which, this was a shocker. This is just a few months ago. A Southern Baptist pastor, Danny Cortez, he's from LA, check it out yourself, recently announced his change of mind on homosexuality and same-sex relationships. He acknowledged that his change of heart obviously puts him at odds with the Southern Baptist confession of faith, okay? But the church voted May 18th this year not to dismiss him and instead to become a, quote, third-way church. There's only one way. It's through Jesus Christ, okay? And soon after this, he got his reward. He was invited to the White House with President Obama to celebrate gay pride at a reception there. And later he wrote this in a, in a letter. This is this year, folks. Quote, this is a huge step for a Southern Baptist church. Yeah, it is. It's a huge step in apostasy. We better shore up loose ends, folks. Okay? And let's go on. And speaking of huge steps, the first time in history, a national Christian denomination, the United Church of Christ, is suing the state of North Carolina to allow gay marriages. The church is suing the state to allow this. That's how far. And I had to share this one with you, folks. This is how far it's gone. Recently, the Washington National Cathedral not only hosted its first transgender pre-celebrating LGBT month, because Obama passed it, but Gary Hall, the chief ecclesiastical leader and executive officer of the National Cathedral, said, quote, homophobia and heterosexism is a sin. Here's his own words. Watch this. If the Washington National Cathedral's recent decision to celebrate same-sex marriages didn't make their stance on the LGBT community clear, then Reverend Gary Hall's statements during his Sunday sermon definitely should. Hall told congregants on Sunday that the church must, quote, have the courage to call homophobia and heterosexism what they are, a sin. Now, the reverend also called the church's role in oppressing the LGBT community shameful. In its wisdom, the church came to its senses over time and labeled both racism and sexism as sinful. And now we find ourselves at this last barrier about human identity. You can call that barrier homophobia. You can call that barrier heterosexism. But we must now have the courage to take the final step and to call homophobia and heterosexism what they are. They are sin. Homophobia is a sin. Heterosexism is a sin. Shaming people for whom they love is a sin. Shaming people because their gender identity does not fit neatly into your sense of what it should be is a sin. A sin. This is not the world. This is in the church. God's standard on what he says clearly in the scripture is sin. Those who hold to that are committing the sin. What did Isaiah say? Woe to that nation. Woe to those people. You're, you're headed for horrible times, man, when you sit there and you call something evil good. 
and that which is good, evil. We're there. Why? Because what did Jesus say? How do you know it's getting close? As it was in the days, not just Noah, as it was in the days of Lot. The days of Lot are here. The days of Lot are here. In fact, apparently, as we close, folks, uh, so is the arrival of the Antichrist. Did you know that? This is very interesting. Little does the apostate church not realize that not only are they not following the words of Christ, but they're actually uh, preparing people, even in the church, to receive the actual Antichrist. The Bible gives about 40 different characteristics of who the Antichrist is, what he's going to do, what he thinks, how he behaves. Let's take a look at a couple of characteristics of the actual Antichrist, and you tell me if the church is helping this. Uh, let's take a look. This is from the book of Daniel, chapter 11, verse 36 through uh, 37. Then the king, speaking of the uh, Antichrist, the beast, will do as he pleases. And he will exalt and magnify himself above every god and will speak monstrous things against the god of gods. And he will prosper until the indignation is finished for that which is decreed will be done. Listen, he will show no regard for the gods of his fathers. Who cares what God says? And he's also not going to show any regard for the desire of women. What? What do you call it when a male has no desire for women. A lot of people, a lot of theologians, not just myself, believe this very well could mean that the Antichrist is a homosexual. Interesting. And right now, 66% of Americans say they would vote for a gay president. You know, a political leader across the world, like the Antichrist. It's all coming together. Now do you see why it blew me away? This is all happening, but nobody's putting two and two together. Not just the days of Noah. This is a major mega sign. It's getting close for Jesus' return. It's also the days of Lot. It's here now. And that's why Jesus said, when these things begin to take place, man, what do you do? Stand up and freak out, run to the hills? Absolutely not, man. It means he's coming back. That's a good thing. Anybody excited? Hello? Stand up, lift up your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. And so if you're here today, listen, you think it's bad now? You ain't seen nothing yet. Wait till the rapture happens, okay? Well, please don't do that. But if you did, okay, uh, uh, it's going to be horrible. The restraining influence is gone. The only one speaking up against this is the true evangelical born-again Christian. You think it's bad now? You ain't sitting with the church gone? It's going to be horrible. And that's why Jesus said it's the worst in the history of mankind. You need to get saved right now today. But if you're a Christian, I'll challenge you with this. Are you an apostate? Are you sliding on this issue? Homosexuality is not the sin. If that's all you get from this sermon, that's not the point. All sin, any sin that has not been taken to the cross of Christ will lend you and send you straight to hell. You could be somebody who's not involved in homosexuality, but you're a pathological liar. You're going to hell without Jesus Christ. You could be one of those people who are a thief, and you rip people off. I don't even care if it was a pencil in the third grade. That is wrong according to God. Sin, the penalty of it is death. You deserve to go to hell. That, if it's not dealt with, will send you to hell. The message we have to declare is that Jesus Christ will forgive you if you humbly come to him and ask him to forgive you of all your sins. He'll forgive you and he'll make you into a new creature. That's the message our world needs to hear, not some watered down version that accepts sin. Because that means the church is now, instead of setting them free with the gospel of Christ, we're pushing them back into bondage and they're still going to hell. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a part of that church. Amen? Let's be the true church and share his love 
with what time we got left. Amen? Let's pray. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church and Get a Life Ministries, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But in closing, before you go, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? You see, here's the problem. The Bible says that nobody automatically gets to go to heaven, and that's because God is holy and we are not. The Bible says that the wages of our sin or our unholiness or the wrong things that we have done have separated us from God. And the wages of our sin or unholiness uh, means that we deserve to die and receive God's judgment to go to hell and not heaven. In other words, we're disqualified for heaven. And that's because God being holy and us being not, the two cannot mix. So what are we going to do? Well, that's bad enough. The other problem is we don't even want to admit this dilemma, even though God already knows it all. And so out of love, God gave us something called the Ten Commandments to show us that we're really disqualified for heaven. We're not holy. We're not perfect like him. Uh, let's take a, a look at just a few of those uh, here today. Uh, the Bible says, the Ten Commandments says, you shall not bear false witness. That means lying. How many of you ever told a lie before? Well, those of you who didn't raise your hand, you just did. Okay, let's be honest, folks. Let's not tell another lie. We've all lied. Well, believe it or not, that disqualifies you for heaven. That's how holy God is. He is the truth. He does not lie. And so that makes us a liar. Another of the Ten Commandments says you shall not steal. Okay, how many have ever taken anything without permission? Well, all of our hands should have went up at that one. Uh, we've already said we're a bunch of liars. Okay, well, we've all done that. And it doesn't have to be a bank. Uh, it could be a pencil in the third grade. Uh, that means that we're a thief, okay? The Bible says that God is so holy, even his name is holy. And that's why one of the Ten Commandments says, you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. Hey, folks, isn't it ironic how uh, now the blessed name of Jesus Christ, the Bible says there's no other name under heaven by which men might be saved, Jesus Christ, has now become a cuss word? Folks, the Bible says that's the sin of blasphemy, okay? And folks, let's be honest. We've used God's name in vain uh, before. The Bible also says in the Ten Commandments, you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus takes the standard even higher. He says, listen, it's not just physical adultery. He says, surely I tell you that if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you've committed adultery in your heart. God looks at the heart. One more out of the Ten Commandments says, you shall not murder. And you might say, well, hey, I haven't done that one. Really? The Bible says that the sin of hatred is akin to the sin of murder. You, in other words, in your heart, wish they were dead. You pulled the trigger, if you will, in your own heart. And the Bible says God sees that, and it's just as bad. He knows the mind. He knows the hearts, the thoughts, and the intents that we have. Folks, that's just five out of the Ten Commandments. How are you doing? Not very well. None of us can keep them. They're God's x-ray to show us that we're disqualified. And so when, not if, your time comes, because we're all marching towards the grave at different speeds, you're going to have to stand before God. And you're going to have to uh, say who you really are. He already knows. Hey, God, let me into heaven. Uh, I'm, I'm a liar. I'm a thief. I'm a blasphemer, adulterer, and a murderer. Folks, the Bible is clear. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. That's the problem. Here's the good news. God so loved the world that he sent his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ, that whoever believes in him, what he did on the cross, on our behalf, that we will not perish, 
We will not go to hell, but he will give us the gift of eternal life. Jesus died on the cross to forgive us of all of our sins. It's something that we don't earn. We, we, we can't earn. It's a gift, the Bible calls it. And a gift cannot be earned. He was taking the death penalty in our place. That's what the cross was of the day. And that if we would just ask Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sins and believe that in our heart that God raised him from the grave, showing that his death is satisfactory to God to forgive us of all of our sins, no matter what we've done, the Bible says we shall be saved. Uh, the Apostle Paul says that if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the grave, we will be saved. Let me give you a common analogy of what God's doing and what he did for us with Jesus dying on the cross on our behalf. Uh, in life, we know that people uh, can be sentenced for a crime uh, to where they're actually on death row. Uh, the courtroom scene has completely finished. The gavel has already sounded. Uh, they are going to jail and they're just awaiting their time before they go to the death penalty. Uh, as they're sitting there in the jail cell, uh, it, it's a proven fact they did what they did. Everybody knows it. They're just waiting for that time for their uh, number to come up, so to speak, and walk down that hall and be executed. Uh, there's nothing they could do to reverse their crime. No amount of good works in that jail cell can reverse what they've done. It's too late. It's over. But believe it or not, there's one way that people even today can get off a death row. And that's if the one in authority, the governor, if he were to, out of mercy and kindness, nothing that the person did, because they don't earn it and they don't deserve it, and they can't earn it, if he would grant them what's called a pardon, out of the kindness of his heart, he has the authority to grant them a pardon and absolve them completely of their crimes uh, against the state. And did you know that there's actually been people that this has happened to, that the governor, out of mercy, has granted them a pardon as a gift, and they've gone down to the jail cell and handed that person, extended it through the bars, here, I'm granting you a pardon. If you would just receive it, you can go free right now. And did you know that there's actually been people who've said, no, I don't want your pardon. And so what happened is of their own doing, even though they had a way out, they still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, can I tell you something? That's what God did for us with Jesus dying on the cross. He sent his son to take the death penalty in our place. He, God, has the authority to grant us through Jesus a complete pardon. And every day that you're still alive, God is extending to you spiritually this pardon. But a pardon does you no good unless you reach out and receive it by faith. Won't you do that today? Won't you call upon the name of Jesus Christ? Ask him to forgive you of all of your sins, to trust in his work on the cross, to pardon us from all of our crimes, our sins against God. God loves you. He wants a relationship with you. But there's only one way to heaven. It's Jesus. There's only one way to get off a death row. It's through the cross of Jesus Christ. Won't you do that? right now well this has been pastor billy crone of sunrise baptist church and and get a life ministries and if there's anything that we can do for you uh please don't hesitate uh to contact us uh our number our information will uh come up here on the screen shortly and uh, uh if there's anything we could do for you please don't hesitate to let us know uh thank you for uh joining us and uh remember i hope to see you in heaven god bless
Thank you for watching this presentation from Sunrise Baptist Church. If you would like to send us a letter or any other kind of postage, you can reach us at 1780 Betty Lane, Las Vegas, Nevada, 89156. For more information, you can give us a call at 702-452-8599 or email us at bcrone at getalifemedia.com or you can visit our website at www.getalifemedia.com. Billy Crone and this ministry can also be found on Facebook and Twitter. Join us for services at www.sunriselv.com.